Beer. Beer. Bong. 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 Beer. Bong. 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 Beers, bongs, and battle axes. 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 Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to more of Marvel December. We are on day eight, I believe. Uh, Thor 2, Thor of the Dark World. The next in the MCU timeline, right after uh, the Avengers takes place. And uh, I just want to say this episode might go a little long, as is tomorrow's with Iron Man 3. But there is a good reason, because I want to bring up some stuff that has been going on behind the scenes that it makes sense as to why things are so screwy in the first half of Marvel's universe. And there's just was a lot of stuff behind the scenes, just in case you don't know the story. Uh, but first, we're going to review the film, and then we'll get into that. But, uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on Thor The Dark World? Um, I enjoy this movie a lot more than a lot of people do. But at the same time, I would also say it's probably one of the more flawed Marvel films that we've received to date. Oh, definitely. Um, on, on my list, I think it's better than the first Thor. And, um, I mean, that's all I'll say. Cause I'll reveal the whole list at a later date, but, um, it's not, it's, I think it's better than the first Thor. Cause I like that we're getting more of everything, but God, the villain Malekith is not that, not that intriguing, which sucks because they, they got, really shit the bed with the dark elves. Yeah, and they got freaking Chris Eccleston to play him. Like that guy's so charismatic, what, and he can. Doctor could, Who plays Malekith. Yeah, that's why I was hoping for more. God, that yeah, that's really unfortunate. I mean, not just in the writing, but even in like the character design, and just like whoever the costume, the costumer, and the makeup effects artists were, they really brought like their C game for the design of the. Uh, Dark elves. They look like discount drow from fucking Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> they uh they do they do feel like if you were to take a character from Captain Marvel and that and it it's it's really kind of a letdown. And I do mean that in not only its writing but its look. Agreed. Uh so for those who don't know, basic plot of that is it takes place what, maybe six months to a year after the events of the Avengers? Um, yeah, I would say this. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, Thor with Loki in tow returns to Asgard. They imprison Loki and then Thor spends some time reuniting and bringing peace to the nine realms. All the while, Jane Foster has been searching for Thor and then eventually moving on from her love from him. All the while, the Nine Realms are converging so that the walls between the worlds will grow thin. Mm-hmm. And uh, on top of that, Jane's been trying to get over Thor because he hasn't appeared in two years. Uh, she's moving on with Chris O'Dowd, which, good on her. Chris O'Dowd's a good dude. He's funny and he, funny looking. He is. I, I love the hell out of the IT crowd, I just want to say. That is a good show. Great show. If you have not seen that, go watch it. So. And yeah, I just I think it's better than the first Thor. I really enjoy it as a film. 
the the stuff when it drag it, la- it like drags it drags hard like there's some really cool things on here like some of the battles the battles for Asgard uh Loki showing a little more character uh but overall it's better than the first Thor but not by much I will say this um Loki as a character has in my opinion really gone downhill since probably this was i mean he doesn't feature very prominently up until ragnarok he's great in ragnarok but yeah this and ragnarok are probably the last two times he was uh you know like a really good character the more i i because i've rewatched loki since it came out and the more i think about it the more i kind of hate that series because they turned him into a bumbling idiot and a sidekick in his own show it's i think it's only for that version of loki because this version of loki uh obviously spoilers for later but dies in infinity war that's fair but i mean still that version of loki would roughly be loki from thor 2 the dark world and in thor 2 the dark world no 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 yeah, he's, because he uh, no, he's Loki right after the the battle in New York happens. He doesn't get to go to Asgard. That's same basic thing, though. It's just post Avengers Loki. Either way you look at it. I'm OK with that, though. I don't I don't necessarily what, see what the I'm trying to say is Loki and Thor. The Dark World is still cunning, still evil and still menacing. And they kind of rip all that away in the Loki TV series just to make him a, a bumbling idiot. And they, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> Again, because he is my favorite Marvel villain in the MCU. Yeah, because he's the most unique villain. He was the only one who ever really genuinely felt like a threat to them other than Thanos. But Thanos is a horse of a different color. We shall say, yeah, but in those early days, he was the only one that wasn't just, oh, look at me. I'm the exact opposite of the hero. Yeah, he was just literally a self-serving villain. It was just very there to be there. He basically suffers from like younger brother syndrome. Just fucking why does Thor get all the glory? I I don't like this. I'm going to act out. And yeah, his acting almost destroys the entire world on several occasions. It's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And obviously that's why I think they kept him around was from one to two of just how how awesome Tom Hiddleston is as the character. So I'm really glad that they kept him around. I I am too. Just I don't know. I, I rewatching this is really reminding me why I've been feeling the Marvel burnout lately. Because I'm like, man, it just really doesn't compare to most of these phase one and phase two movies. So there is kind of a, a reason, but I do. OK, um, do you have any other thoughts you want to get out the way? Just because I, I do want to go to these articles and all and all explain as to what's going on. Alan Taylor's a good director, despite what the box office for this and the many saints of Newark would have you believe. <laughs> so this is from uh, this was. As of August, uh, Alan Taylor actually had original plans. It says for a more magical Thor of the Dark World. And also, uh, wasn't it supposed to be a darker Thor of the Dark World, too? I believe so. It says that the 
the reason was that he had disagreements. Uh, case, I'm just going to read it from the top. Marvel Studios may be huge on creative vision now, but that wasn't always the case. The production giant's second phase of films was plagued by conflicts between directors and Marvel's now defunct creative committee, which I'll get to in a bit. Uh, these disagreements famously led to Edgar Wright departing Ant-Man and had a huge impact on the final product of the MCU's first Thor sequel. Um, says before he before Alan Taylor boarded Thor 2, uh, it had actually already lost the director f- who went on to do Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins. Uh, we've really? known for- she was supposed to do Thor? Yeah, Thor 2. Uh, it says we've wow. known for a while that the Dark World didn't end up looking as Taylor originally intended, but now we have a clear idea as to what it was supposed to look like. And in an interview with the Hollywood Reporter, he offered a glimpse into his vision. Said the version I had started off with had more childlike wonder. There was this slight, there was this imagery of children, which started the whole thing. There was a slightly more magical quality. There was weird stuff going on back on Earth because of the convergence that allowed convergence that allowed for some of these magical realism things. And there were major plot differences that were inverted in the cutting room and with additional photography. People, such as Loki, who had died were not dead. People who had broken up were back together again. I think I would like my version. Uh, says it would seem that his original plans included keeping Loki dead. The big reveal is the plan on ending the relationship between Thor and Jane Foster earlier than expected. And while it would have been interesting to see what direction these changes might have taken the MCU, it is worth noting that keeping these developments in the film would likely have prevented Loki from happening. We might, uh, we also might not have ever gotten Taika Waititi's Thor films that help redefine the character. Um, so that's from Murf- Murphy's Multiverse. Um, and before I go on, I go on to the, my next article. I do want to say one of my favorite parts from all of the MCU is when Loki, or I'm sorry, not Loki, but when Thor and Malekith are fighting through all of the portals, which is uh, probably the highlight of the film, honestly, because that is oh, yeah. a really interesting way to do the final boss fight in a film it's so creative just to have a glitched boss fight like i wish there was more of that oh hell yeah and uh so that one was from murphy's multiverse and this one's from collider uh back on may 3rd 2018 it says the dissolution of the marvel creative committee has led to bolder more ambitious mcu films the more recent run of mcu films from guardians 2 to avengers infinity war represent marvel studios untethered to the notoriously frustrating story group uh spoilers ahead for all Marvel movies through Infinity War. From the very beginning, Marvel Studio films have taken ambitious leaps. From the very first Marvel Studios movie, Iron Man, they were bucking convention. That film ends with Tony Stark exposing himself as Iron Man, thus doing away completely with the secret identities that proved a cornerstone of successful superhero movies like Spider-Man and Batman Begins. And of course, The Avengers was an entire movie built around the bold decision to bring together different characters from different films into the same movie in a way that felt cohesive and yet true to the various characters' nature. But recently, Marvel Studios has gotten even more ambitious with its choices, and there's a very good reason for that. The dissolution of the Marvel Creative Committee. The Marvel Creative Committee was a group of individuals who had given notes on Marvel Studios' productions throughout throughout the development process. As reported by birth.movies.death, uh, this committee partially consisted of Marvel Comics writer Brian Michael Bendis, former Marvel Comics editor-in-chief Joe Quesada, uh, Marvel Comics publisher Dan Buckley, and president of Marvel Entertainment Alan Fine. While in theory this committee seems like a great sounding board, in practice it served as a continual source of frustration for the filmmakers involved with Marvel Studios movies. Guardians of the Galaxy filmmaker James Gunn said they suggested his film ditch the 70s-infused soundtrack. 
Gunn also said the creative committee's notes negatively impacted the messy plot villain stuff related to Ronan in the first Guardians. The creative committee's notes were also a source of frustration for filmmaker Edgar Wright and are reportedly a major reason he decided to depart Ant-Man before production began. The Marvel Creative Committee also served as a roadblock of sorts during the development process, limiting the direct access filmmakers had to a yes or no answer from Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. And indeed, the dissolution of the Marvel Creative Committee in 2015 was a direct result of Feige's major executive shakeups regarding the Marvel Studios structure. In August of 2015, Feige successfully managed to reorganize the structure in Marvel Studios so that he was no longer reporting to Marvel CEO Ike Perlmutter, who served as a roadblock for years. I will get to this guy in Iron Man 3 because he, his story is insane and it is, you'll understand when we get to Iron Man 3. But anyways, Perlmutter comes from the toy world and as an example of the authority he wielded is the reason there were few Black Widow toys Perlmutter argued that girl toys do not sell. Under the original structure, Feige had to get some major decisions okayed by Perlmutter before moving ahead, and the two reportedly butted heads often. But in 2015, fresh off the massive success of Guardians of the Galaxy and Age of Ultron, and after venting his frustrations to the Disney higher-ups, Feige's structure was reorganized so that Perlmutter no longer had control over Marvel Studios, i.e. the film side of Marvel. Instead, Feige would report directly to Disney Studio Chief Alan Horn. With this change, and with Marvel Studios now under greater control from Feige, the Marvel Creative Committee was dissolved. And here we see cause and effect. By the time the Marvel Creative Committee was dissolved, Captain America Civil War had already been shot, and Doctor Strange was deep into pre-production. But the next four films out of the pipeline would be developed, written, shot, and edited without any sort of input from the Marvel Creative Committee. And it's no surprise that those four films happen to be the boldest Marvel has ever made begins with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, a sequel to a massively popular film that's essentially a hangout movie with no plot. Then we have Spider-Man Homecoming, which saw Marvel partnering up with Sony Pictures in a deal that gave exactly zero percentage of the box office. And then Thor Ragnarok, which radically changes the character of Thor into more of a comedy lead with an entire film that takes very little of anything seriously. Obviously, after that, you have Black Panther, Marvel's most explicitly political film to date and one with very strong thematic ties to the socio-political world we live in today. And finally, Avengers Infinity War, a major CG-filled blockbuster movie that concludes with the death of half the universe population, including many favorite MCU characters. All these movies break the rules of what a superhero blockbuster is supposed to be. You're supposed to have a strong MacGuffin and easy-to-follow plot, whereas Guardians 2 is happy meandering and digging deep into our characters. You're supposed to look out for your own interests as a studio, not partnering up with a rival and take no profits on Spider-Man Homecoming. You're supposed to have consistency of character across sequels, not essentially reboot your protagonist with a wildly different tone in Thor 3. You're definitely not supposed to be political, instead of attempting to appeal to the widest possible audience, something Black Panther absolutely eschews. And you're supposed to leave your audience at the end of your major blockbuster feeling happy and satisfied, not emotionally distraught. And yet, Feige believed in the visions that Gunn, John Watts, Taika Waititi, Ryan Coogler, and John and Anthony Russo had for these Marvel Studios movies, and he saw them through to the end. It's the reason to. It's reasonable to assume that Marvel Creative Committee had been in place. Perhaps some of the edges of these films would have been softened. Maybe even Ryan Coogler would have walked away from Black Panther. Indeed, it should be noted that Ava DuVernay was first offered the chance to direct Black Panther when the Marvel Creative Committee was still in existence, and she later said she opted not to direct the film because she realized it would lack her own specificity of vision. 
even Infinity War, which by and large is a pretty standard explosion-filled superhero movie, ends in a really bold way by killing off a large portion of its cast. Obviously, some, all of this will be undone, but Infinity War still ends on an incredibly depressing note. Without the flashy font that usually graces the screen as the credits roll, whatever you think about that ending or the film as a whole, that's a bold choice for one of the most anticipated blockbusters of the year. So all of this to say, while Marvel certainly found success in its first 10 years, it really does feel like they're hitting another year right now. They're not content to play it safe, and with the creative committee gone, they're swinging for the fences and not looking back. Oh, that seems that last sentence sounds like fucking ass kissing to its finest. <laughs> because I have been thoroughly unimpressed with phase four so far. But yeah, no, so uh so the creative committee had their hand in uh the dark world, and I believe they actually cut uh some other ideas. Let me you'll kill some time, Mike. Uh, well, one thing I wanted to ask, do you think Edward Norton made any money off of the Avengers because they very clearly show the footage of the Hulk throwing the tank outside of the, uh, college campus from his movie in the Avengers? Uh, I don't know. I was thinking about that while I was watching it today. I gotta say, I didn't even know there was a Marvel creative committee yeah in place so it's knowing that is kind of shocking that phases one and two turned out as good as they did because as we all know making movies by committee very rarely if ever actually works out to come up with a good product in the end oh yeah and then uh okay i'm looking over this is another article from screen rants uh malekith was not the original villain planned for the film uh and kevin feige uh confirmed in 2017 that it was almost hella well, then thank God for small favors. Uh, let's see. And then it goes into something which we'll cover in Iron Man 3. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Because my pre- creative brain is going now. Now that I'm thinking about it, it should have been Hela. Because you get Hela. She's the bad girl trying to get the Aether. She gets defeated, but not killed, making her and Loki the only two Marvel villains that don't get outright fucking killed by the superhero by the end of the movie. And then you have them team up in three for Thor Ragnarok to make it more like the actual mythology of Ragnarok. Oh, God, that would have been that would have been amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fucking goddamn you, Kevin Feige. <laughs> it's not Feige. It's it's Ike Perlmutter, and you'll understand when we get to Iron Man three. Well, fuck them all. Fuck all the suits. Uh, but that's uh, that's it. That's all I had to bring up. Is just I didn't even know there was a creative committee until yesterday, and then th- that's just that's fascinating. Is all hell to me. Uh, obviously the fact that everything turned out so well for the first phase and the you know the first couple years of phase two, but. The fact that they dissolved after they were like, okay, we can get box office numbers with these movies. And they trusted them enough to go off of more creative visions, which I... Fly, little Feige, fly. I commend them for. Uh, Before we wrap this up, favorite part of Thor The Dark World? Oh, just the fight. The fight between the worlds, man. The best. That's the Um, best. I mean, that, that is probably the best part of the movie, but my favorite part... 
is probably Thor getting some measure of revenge against Loki by pushing him out of the spaceship when they're trying to escape Asgard with Jane right before the final fight. Oh, yeah, that is good. That shit just cracks me up every time. All right, thanks for listening to another Marvel review. We'll see you tomorrow with Iron Man 3. Bye-bye. See ya.